Welcome to The Emily Osmond Show. I'm your host, Emily Osmond, an online marketing educator, leader of an incredible global community of female entrepreneurs and a content creator based in Melbourne, Australia. This show is designed to bring you practical strategies and candid real stories of entrepreneurs to help you make marketing, mindset and money your superpowers. Let's get into the show. My guest today is Catherine Basolia, a mortgage broking numbers nerd, expert in lending and hooked on teaching others, in particular women, how to buy property and build wealth. Now, when I think of the term girl boss, well, Kath comes to mind. She is absolutely a force to be reckoned with. She's smart, determined, but also she lifts up other women on her way. Kath grew up in the beautiful coastal town of Noosa Heads in Australia, where she worked from the first possible moment that she could, which was 14 and nine months old. She went on to start her own property portfolio at the tender age of 19. Since then, she has purchased, built and sold multiple properties and businesses. And when she found mortgage broking, Kath says that she knew she had found her thing. In this episode, we discuss Kath's bold move to rebrand her business and in doing so, stand out from the crowd, own her niche and embrace not being for everyone, along with how she leverages social media to grow her business. Last year, I had an absolute ball being a guest speaker at Kath's International Women's Day event, and this year she's doing it all over again. On March 5th in Melbourne, Australia, this year's guest speaker is one of our previous guests on the podcast. She is the brilliant Erica Kramer, otherwise known as the Queen of Confidence, and you may remember her from episode 58. So I'm heading along and I would love to see you at Kath's brilliant International Women's Day event. Tickets are now on sale and the best place to go is probably just by searching Property Before Prada on Instagram. And there you'll find Kath where you can follow her along and just be inspired and motivated by the incredible work that she's doing and the vision that she is bringing to life. So without further ado, let's bring on Kath Pasoglia. It's so good to sit down with you. We have connected probably over the last year, do you think? Maybe two years? Oh, look, I've been following you oh, for a lot longer. Oh, look out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and look, I think that we've got so much in common and, and, you know, I've been, as I said, following you for such a long time and it's been great that our paths have crossed on so many different platforms and, yeah, it's been exciting to follow your oh, journey. Kat, thank you. I was absolutely honoured to be a guest speaker at your event last year, the uh, Women in Property, International Women's Day. So that was amazing. And um, you've just got like, I just, this is what I was saying to you before we hit record. I'm like, Kath, I don't really know what we're going to talk about today because there's just so much we could talk about because you're so ridiculously inspiring and everything you do, just I just feel like you just bring a hundred percent like vision, energy, effort. You are in the mortgage broking industry. Is that kind of how I would describe it? But you just are your own unique human. So I just adore you. And I just know that you've got so much to share. That's going to be really inspiring for um, a lot here. You've been in business. You're, re- you're just 
a smart woman, smart operator, smart businesswoman. So let's just see where we go. So tell us, like, please introduce yourself and your business and also who you are outside of business too. <laughs> Oh, look, thank you so much for having me on this show. I'm absolutely thrilled and honoured, to to say the least. And look, my name is Catherine Pasolia for anyone who doesn't know me out there. And um, my business is Property Before Prada. Now, I have a mortgage business and I've been in the industry running my own small business for 18 years now. So it's a long time and I got into the industry when I was really young. I fell into it. I've always been in business. I've always been self-employed from a very young age. I finished school early. I jumped straight into it. I was always like a little go-getter. I wanted big things and I worked really, really hard. And I fell into mortgage broking, which... I love property. I've always loved property. And that was, I guess, easy for me to follow a path that was so closely related to property. And back then, you know, I was in a male-dominated industry and I was literally one of a few women that was in the industry forging a path. And it came a few years ago when I decided to go through a rebrand because I guess I was a part of a big franchise and I thought, look, I love my franchisee. They are amazing, but I've got a story to tell. I believe I wanted my brand to really speak about me and my ethics and my beliefs. And and I thought there was an opportunity out there for me to help other women. You know, so I went through a full rebrand and the name Property Before Prada is me to a T. I've always believed in setting yourself up financially before you make those splurges on those beautiful designer items. So that's where it all came from. Were you working anyway before you became a mortgage broker? What did that look like? Yeah, really interesting. So I was actually fully qualified in childcare. And yes, And it's so funny because I know one of your events, I came to your Christmas catch up and you're like, okay, guys, COVID was tough on me. I was at home. I had my kids at home. I was homeschooling. That is not what I'm into. (laughs) Yes. And isn't it interesting that I love that? That's all I thought I wanted to do in life. And homeschooling nearly killed me. So clearly, I was not meant to be a kindergarten teacher. Thank God I uh, moved careers. So look, I started in that. My parents were in small business, and that's where I really got my love for small business. So mum and dad just, you know, five years ago sold their insurance business. So I was always around mum and dad running their business, they instilled in me the the customer service, the going above and beyond, that whole, you know, you're serving. You are serving your customer and I really learnt a lot from them. So that's where I think the business side of things, I resonated and I learnt a lot. I moved to Melbourne when I was very young. I grew up in Noosa, moved to Melbourne and I followed that for a short period of time. You know, dad was great in helping me get a job in insurance. And again, I was kind of back into that insurance 
world, which was, again, you know, it's in the finance industry type of. And then I, I really then just continued on a little bit in the finance world. Then I went, nah, this is not for me. I jumped ship. How random is this, right? I jumped ship and I started a solarium what? business. Yes, 21, 21. And back when solariums weren't like... Illegal. (laughs) Yeah, that's the way to put it, illegal. (laughs) But a business owner at 21, like this is you. Totally, and I had five beds and I, you know what, I did not doubt myself. I backed myself 150%. I look at it now and go, oh my goodness, you crazy girl. But... It was incredible. Learned so much. Decided again, this was not for me. I, 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 it wasn't the industry that I was supposed to be in. Sold the business, did incredibly well. And at that point, that's when I, because I'd already owned two properties by then. And that's when I went back to my mortgage broker and said, I need another loan. I need to, you know, I'm, I'm looking at buying another business or something. And he just looked at me and goes, Kath, why don't you get into mortgage broking? And that was back. He helped me fund my second, no, my third property. He helped me fund my third property. And that was with Aussie Mortgage Market. So randomly, I did. And I have not looked back. Best decision I ever made. So that was my journey. How weird oh my God. is that? And so you were 21 and you had two properties? Yes, correct. How did yep. you do that? That is amazing. Were you just like ridiculous saver or, you know, how did it happen? Yeah, look, back then, I guess the property prices were a lot different as well. So, but so were salaries. Like I was on 45000 a year. Like it's not like I was earning a lot of money. I was on forty five. My first property cost, I think, about one hundred and eighty. It was in South Yarra, oh, two bedroom yeah. apartment. Oh, my gosh, one hundred and eighty so, two-bed apartment, South Yarra. <laughs> It was just amazing. I mean, it was an old rundown place, did it up, but still I saved. And back then there was no first home grant. There was no support for first home buyers. So there was, I don't even think we had mortgage insurance. It was, you save 20%. You know, there was hard yards to get through and there was no government grant. So I did it and it was tough, but I just thought that that's what you did. And when I look back now as a 19-year-old, when I did that, I thought that was normal. I thought, for me, it was normal. We didn't have Instagram. We weren't under pressure about, oh, my God, I've got to have the latest Gucci or whatever. It was like, I'm just concentrating on myself. And I feel that now, when you look around, everyone's looking at what everyone else is doing and trying to keep up. Back then, I was like... I don't know about these brands. I sure as hell don't care about them. And I just wanted to set myself up financially. So I had my own little goals. I knew that I loved property and that's what drove me. You mentioned when you started the Solarium business, you just were like, I'm doing it and just like confident. Like, where did that come from? Oh, look, I've always been pretty gutsy. I've always, I'm a big thinker. I don't like to think too small. And that has changed as I've grown older. I feel like I'm, I'm much more reserved now because I do have a lot greater responsibility. When I was 20, I was the world was my oyster and, and I kind of didn't have much to lose and, and now I do. So my mindset has shifted. But back then, I, 
I just believed in myself. I just like, I can do this. And look, I wrote business plans. I did cash flow projections. So it's not like I just jumped into it. I was careful as much as I thought I was careful. And I believed in myself. I, I didn't doubt myself for a moment at all. And I think when you believe in yourself and you've got that confidence, it's, you know, you can just can do anything. I think it's a, it's certainly a mindset. So let's look at when you got into the mortgage industry, because it, I, from an outsider's perspective, it, it feels to me and I assume, and I believe that it's probably changed a lot over time. And there's a lot more women in the industry now, but what was it like, say 18 years ago when you started off? What was that like for you? It was really tough. It really was. I was this little blonde girl and I would walk into the office and I wasn't intimidated by the men that were there, but the comments weren't nice. So I remember overhearing somebody saying, oh, she uses her sexuality. And I'm like, are you serious? And I felt, you know, I was in there I knew that I had some obstacles to overcome because I was young. I didn't look like a typical mortgage broker. You know, when I'd say I'm a mortgage broker, broker, people would just look at me and go, really? You know, so I got in there at 6 a.m. and I worked my butt off and I was working 80 hours a week. And there was a few reasons because of that. Number one, I I felt like I had something to prove and I was really angry at such comments being made. Number two, like I needed to upskill yeah. quickly because it wasn't my industry and I, I didn't certainly didn't go to uni. So I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, I, I've, I've got a lot to learn here. So that was another reason. And you know what? I was I was wanting to build a really good business and I knew that when you start into a new business, you don't expect the luxury of time. You don't have that. You you are working all hours in small business. There's no nine to five. And I understood that. Having a tanning studio, I work massive hours. So walking into the mortgage broking industry, I had the same mindset that it is going to be tough for the first few years whilst I'm building my business. Now, those men were making those comments because I was kicking massive goals within three months. So their excuse was, oh, she must be, you know, using her sexuality. And I was really, really offended. And for me, I was more about proving them wrong. So consistently, I was up right up on top of the board within months at Aussie and it felt fabulous. It was a big, you know, up yours <laughs> to all those men that were, you know, doubting me. And even now after 18 years of being in the industry, it's great that so many now more women have entered. So we are everywhere. We There's so many great female brokers that are in and forging really amazing businesses and careers. It's great to see. Oh, I want to talk to you about um, the rebrand. It's just genius. It's just you being like, you're really kind of a visionary in the way that you innovate and lead. And with your brand, you have created, oh, it's just like the name, the colors, the message, and then the way that you roll out the brand with your events. 
How long was this bubbling away inside you? And what did it take for you to say, you know what, let's make this happen? I'd love to hear about that. Look, it was a few years ago when I needed to make some changes. And I had spent a few years building up another mortgage business, which I was the director of distribution for, and it was a, a new mortgage product that was out to market. And and I was being gobbled up by, a, I guess, a, a corporate giant at the time. And, and I felt like I was losing my voice. And I'd still had my business and that was still ongoing, which was part of the franchise. But I felt like I had something to give. And I felt like I had something to offer others because people constantly coming and saying, Kath, what do you do? How do you do it? How should I do it? And I thought that I could elevate my business to a new level. And part of that was disconnecting from that franchise kind of branding and setting myself apart so that I could be identified and my business could be identified in a certain way. And then I started to go, well, what does that look like? And how am I helping people? And who do I want to help? So all these questions were coming at me. And I then started to really think about what message do I have? And then breaking it down and then looking at, okay, this is what I believe. This is how I've done it. I'm going to share what I know with other and in particular women. I love working with women. And that's not to say like, I've got clients just come and say to me, look, Katha, my brother needs help. Do you just help women or can you help my brother? And I'm like, no, no, totally I can do that. But I saw an opportunity to really hone in and help those young women because you know, like you, I absolutely love Instagram. I think it's a great platform. It's my favorite platform. And I, I, I was you know, quite late in using Instagram. And I just could see that there was a gap in the market for my services and what I offer. And I thought that I could really, I get, guess, get my brand out on Instagram and really help and educate young women in particular. And that became, I guess, part of my business plan and how I wanted to launch and everything about the coloring, the content. I write everything myself. I'm very much a control freak. <laughs> uh, totally. I I tried outsourcing, I think, my um, my Insta once and it just wasn't for me. I think, no, it's, it it's my voice. It needs to be your voice. And this is what I think a lot of business owners don't get. They think... Instagram is to tick a box to share content. And this is what I actually wanted to touch on that you mentioned. You were, you'd been, you know, successful in running the business. And then you were like, you know what, like, what is my message? What is my purpose? What do I care about? Like, what do I not agree with? What do I want to make a change? And I was just doing Instagram live before we popped on. And I was talking about some of the themes and what, you know, what I see happening for in really in the marketing space this year. And it's that like, as business owners, we can't just share surface level content we have to be looking at like, what are we trying to actually achieve? What do we believe in? What do we care? Who do we want to help and serve and what difference do we make? And that should then inform our content. So for you, if you tried to, and I think there's like a role in outsourcing for sure, but 
you know, it still has to come from you and your vision and your message and, um, and all of that. So that's really, really cool. And then the other thing is in terms of almost the niching, and I was having this chat in the Modern Marketing Collective with some students, and we were talking about niching and you might not have had the fear, but often there's the fear that if you narrow down who you target, you're going to have less people buy from you. What you've shared, well, apart from elevating your brand because suddenly it's like unique and people understand exactly who you serve. You said, you know, you're all about serving women, helping them like buy property. But it still doesn't mean that other people don't come and would love to work with you. It just means that people understand and are more clear about, you know, oh, you're a woman who's looking to, who needs a mortgage. You need to speak to Kath. But it doesn't mean you still don't have male clients, you know? That's exactly right. And look, being in the industry for such a long time, half of my database is men. I help men every single day. But certainly when I'm marketing my business, especially on Instagram, I'm very clear on my target market. And and I think it's about, and, and you know, people have said to me exactly that question, do you think you're actually cutting out a huge chunk? You do not need every Australian to work with you. Absolutely not. But I think it's about really owning your space. And, and I'm okay to completely own it. And that's what I want to do. I think that when I got my very first mortgage, I didn't have a broker. So that broker that I used came along later in the property journey. And I just remember going in and and I had one set of products, one bank manager, and who knows if he had any experience buying a property because he certainly didn't guide me, you know, and there was that intimidation of sitting in that bloody glass office and, you know, please, can I have a loan? And and there was no hand-holding. And I guess now, day and age, we do have you know, so much on offer in terms of education. I'm trying to get what's relevant into my space to educate and serve my clients. You know, making it practical, getting all that bank jargon out and like piecing together what people really need to understand and what's really going to help and affect them. So getting rid of all the fluff and just honing in on what's important, how are people going to meet their goals and just being really strategic in helping them. So when it comes to looking at, right, what content am I going to share? What do you share if you could tell the audience? Because I know it's, this is like the number one thing everyone's like, just needs content help. They're like, what do I do? What should I share? I just love the way that you show up. So how, what, like, how do you process it in your mind as to what am I going to put out? Oh my goodness, it's so random. Oh, I, look, at the moment, unfortunately, I don't have a process um, and I'm going to really work on that this year. We've actually got a business planning day booked in tomorrow with my staff and we're, we are absolutely mapping out content. But what I've done in the past is I, I work with a designer that creates my tiles. I, I'm, I leave that to the experts. I'm no good on Canva. Put my hand up. I delegate where I can. So Simone will put together my tiles. I write the tiles. I give her artistic direction because, again, I'm a bit of a control freak about that. In terms of the actual content, I think different things at different times. I write my tiles, I save them and I maybe pop them up later. I also make sure that things happen in the banking world that comes up at certain times. And I I try and make sure that I'm very reactive to what happens in the market to get it out 
when news is first available. So it's being relevant and first to market. I try and get first to market when something's happening with a with with a bank that I think my client should know about. I've written a lot of content that's not been yet put out. With what I do, I've also scaled back what I'm putting out at the moment because I I've been so busy with work and I don't like to create more work if I can't deal with it. So I find it a lot of fun to write the content. It is all my words and I love it. I literally, I've got a lot to say, Emily. <laughs> I got this so is much because to say. you know what your mission is. You're on a mission. And once we can tap into that, there's so much to share. Yeah, and there is. And literally, I would love to just lock myself away and just smash it all together. I just haven't had the luxury of time to be strategic. And that's what I want to improve on this year is strategically setting up my calendar for releasing my socials. Do you know what though? But I think we need to have the mixture because we need to be relevant, like you said. So we need to be sharing in the, you know, sharing timely things. We can't just like be like, right, there's my 30 days of content, tick it off and think that's done. We need to also be they're in the moment with our audience, with our community, showing up and sharing our thoughts on what's happening or um, and that type of thing. And then also having an idea, but I think you do, you know, you've got kind of those core ideas that you're sharing and having some some clarity around that is super important too. But you're, yeah, doing, you know, a great job and that everything you're sharing is just like, you know, it's your voice and it's not just surface level kind of Here's one tip for getting a mortgage. And that's what makes us different as business owners when we go beyond that as well. Yeah. And again, setting yourself apart from other businesses, that's a big, how you speak to your audience. And that was a big thing for me. It's all my language minus the F-bombs. <laughs> um, you know, i got to hold back on those. Um, it's all my language. <laughs> Keep this PG, please. PG rated PG I know, I know. You know, it's it's my words. It's, you know, and I'm trying to relate and have people relate to me. And I feel like when people read my content or see my videos, they know who I am. And it is what it is. I don't sugarcoat things. I'm very real. And I also like to share mistakes. So it's, you know, Instagram can be so pretty and, and it, it looks perfect. My world is not perfect. You know, my business is not perfect. And nor is anyone's. No, but I think you need to own your mistakes. You need to share, you know, your stuff ups. It's really important. And part of what I'm doing, especially with the video, latest video content and things like that that I'm doing at the moment, it's not just sharing, oh, look, I've done this. And, you know, it's, it's about deep diving and going, I made this mistake don't you make it. This is what I've done. This is what I've stuffed up on. You know, I'm telling you about what I've done and how it's cost me significantly. I'm sharing this with you so that you can learn from me. And that is where the value is. That is where the value is for your audience. It's not just sharing, which probably every other mortgage broker or many others are doing. It's just sharing. This is the latest news or our advice. It's actually sharing your experience and what that does. So you've got the you've got the relevancy, and then you also have the relatability, and that builds trust. Yeah, and and so many people when they come to speak to me about you know getting their mortgage, they say, "Oh, look, we feel like we know you. 
you know, and it is lovely that people go, well, they know what they're dealing with when they do come to me. I am very raw and very honest. I'm straight up. I don't have time to beat around the bush. Obviously, I'm lovely and respectful <laughs> to people. It's not like I'm, you know. Anyway, I'm a nice person, I but I will just, yeah, I just say it how it is. I'm in the business to help people, not to sugarcoat things. I'll get you to where you need to be if I can. And if I can't, I'm going to tell you I can't help you. But certainly being real and exposing yourself to a certain level, you know, I feel like people then get it that, okay, they know what they're getting when they come to me. I think it's important. How do you deal with mistakes, challenges, and any backlash or negativity, if you've had any? But how, you know, what's your kind of way that you deal with these things? Because they happen as business owners. Look, I learned from a young age and and in business, that is, when things are going pear-shaped and things do, we are in the business of lending money and it's tough. We've gone through a couple of really tough years. The biggest thing that I've gone by is when things are really tough on a client's file, you need to stay closer to them than ever. That communication, so when a deal is going pear-shaped, we call them deals, they're loan applications, when things are really, really, really tough and we don't know if we're going to get something approved or not or we're having difficulties with something in that file, you keep so close to your client, it's not funny checking in daily, reassuring them what you're doing, giving them full transparency, it is so important. So you stay closer. And I I can't remember where I learned that along the way, but that's probably one of the best advice in my industry is sticking close to your client when things are going up. So that's number one. In terms of other feedback, just own your mistakes. I mean, one poor client, it's embarrassing, right? I'm sharing this. (laughs) so embarrassing I'm intrigued but this is this is a typical thing that can happen if I was a customer I'd be so upset anyway I've been dealing with this lovely client well before Christmas anyway she was reaching out and you know trying to lock in another time to do a follow-up and whatever and look I just didn't get back to it and I completely missed an email right and Anyway, in the meantime, I think that she went and saw her mum's banker and anyway, she didn't get what she needed to get. So she ended up coming back to me and emailing me, calling me. And I looked at the last email that she'd sent me like six weeks ago and I was so embarrassed. I'm like, I can't believe, number one, you're still following me up after I never got back to you. But things like this happen, you need to own it. You need to own it. And I just apologize. I'm like, I'm really embarrassed. I'm I'm glad you came back to me, but I wouldn't have expected you to because that's not right. I shouldn't, you know, and and I got lost at that period of time. I missed the email, wasn't responsive. That's just a typical example of when you put your hand up and go, yeah, sorry. And being honest. Absolutely. I own it. Like, I'm sorry I missed it, didn't get back to you. And there's other similar examples. People appreciate when you go, look, I dropped the ball. I dropped the ball, didn't do it. I'm sorry. And it's so much better, I think, than pretending nothing's happened. Because then the other, the person on the other end is like, well, hang on a minute. Is that just normal for them? <laughs> nah. You know, and, and it's interesting when I do get particularly busy, you'll see and pe- anyone that follows me on socials um, on Instagram will see that I do pull back on my Instagram and that's usually in line with 
how business is really, really busy and I'm just monitoring what I put out because I need to be able to look after and serve my clients. And if I feel like I'm really, really being strangulated with a lot of things, I'll I'll start pulling back and I, and I won't put as much information out. Now, I've got strategies in place this year. You know, I've hired two, two new people this year. So business for me, exciting outlook and it will give me more time to dedicate and you touched on at the beginning of our discussion was the events, which I'm very passionate about. This is, you know, I had two last questions for you. You've just led me to the final one, which is what the hell is in store for you? What's the vision? What are you working on? What's ahead? I've been trying to get the right people to work with me for the past year. COVID put a spanner in that works. I've now hired. I'm introducing a new broker next week um, to my team, which I'm so excited. Really good. And that's going to help me deliver a better service and a better outcome for my clients um, because there's going to be, you know, double the amount of hours that we can dedicate to to the business. Also got my full-time customer service manager, which again, I've been searching for for a long time. So with that handled and under control, it allows me to really focus on some other things that I love. And that certainly the public speaking, events, masterclasses, and launching my podcast, which was supposed to be done last March. Oh my gosh. What's the name? Can you share the name so everyone knows when you launch it? Well, yeah, I haven't really got a name. Oh. All right. We're going to have to figure <laughs> that one out. Property. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll sort that out. <laughs> That's just the little detail, Emily. Like, seriously. Property. I reckon just property before prior to the podcast. Yeah, probably. It's simple. Keep keep it simple. I've learned to keep things simple. Uh, Yeah, but yeah, I love those events. So doing a big event for International Women's Day again, excited. We've locked in our keynote speaker for that. So much is happening. So I think that, you know, I'm really enthusiastic about sharing a message of uplifting women getting them to a state where they are independent financially. That's been my message and I'm really wanting to work a lot on that this year. Obviously, you know, it was something that I wanted to really start last year and and it's just been pushed back to this year, which is completely fine. Kath, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. chatting with you. You're just inspiring and contagious and you've like, and you've just, you know, you've got that experience 18 years in business too, and still enthusiastic, like evolving, innovating. You have to evolve. Yeah. Ha- and you know what? You've said the right thing. You have to evolve in business. That's key. Well, where can everyone find you apart from the upcoming podcast that is yet to be named? <laughs> I'm hanging out a lot on Instagram, which is, I love, up uh, at Property Before Prada. Amazing. Well, Kath, I uh, I look forward to doing another catch up soon. Oh, please. Love to be on. Thank you so much for having oh, me. So much fun. <laughs> good, good talk to you for ages. I know, right? I know. <laughs> <laughs> ciao, ciao. I hope you loved this episode as much as I loved sitting down with Kath and chatting all things business. Take a screenshot as you finish up listening and share it to your Instagram stories. Just tag me at Emily Osmond and Kath at Property Before Prada. We would love to hear that you tuned in.